0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Weird World of Knowing. I'm Rachel Earing, and I have yet another wonderful guest for you. This week we have Michelle Ewan and Michelle is a storyteller. So get ready folks for a great ride on this one. <laughs> We've got some really beautiful, weird stories here. And I know we'll keep saying weird. But I think I'm hoping now that you're beginning to see a pattern of normality where, although we say that the weird, because it's difficult for us to put into words and explain to everybody, this pattern that keeps arising is, is our own deep essence of, of trusting ourselves. So first of all, let me introduce Michelle. So Michelle, um, is a storyteller, as I've said, and. Having been visited by mid-crisis by her guardian angel on a busy roadside at the age of 20, Michelle Ewan has since walked on a very intuitive path through life. She's left a well-paid leadership positions, not once but twice and giving up her home on the same day. Not small things, Michelle. No, <laughs> Alongside her husband, Christian, who is obviously as, as weird as Michelle is. And yes, very much. I love that you've done this as a couple. <laughs> it was called to complete the world first voluntary project, telling that the stories of 365 female entrepreneurs over 365 consecutive days in exactly 365 words, which is now a book and an award-winning blog. So us. That's all I'm going to say to that one, before you go into telling us of how that came about and hashtag she three, six, five embodies Michelle's complete faith in the universe. Knowing things always work out when she acts with courage and believing that it's already done. Welcome Michelle. i <laughs> <Rachel>. great <laughs> Okay. You got to do some explaining here. How on earth did that happen? How do you, I, I can relate to walking out of work. Um, I've done that myself. I think once would be enough for me to do that. It was, um, although people say it's brave, I know in a way for me, it just felt actually absolutely completely necessary that I left there and then. And that's exactly what I needed to do to survive. What was it like for you, and why?
1: Yeah, it goes beyond tra- a choice. I think, like for me, um, I was lucky that my uh, my husband, then then my partner, uh, was on board with the same feeling we were working in a high pressured environment in a newsroom producing around 52 magazines a year. So that's roughly one a week. Um, in addition to a portfolio of around six newspapers, we were working on the commercial features desk and. We just had this mutual shared sense that there was more to life than this and a deep belief that we did not need these well-paid roles to be okay. We were, at the time, we were living in a converted attic. It was literally a studio apartment, one room with just a wall partition in the middle for our bedroom. So we were sharing this tiny, tiny space and still making our relationship work. And we just felt that we didn't need the trappings of that job um to move forward with life. So we woke up one morning and we walked into our boss's office together and said, we are quitting our job roles. We're here to give you our notice. And then when we left our boss's office, we rang our landlord and said we're handing in notice on our property as well. So we kind of made
0: ourselves jobless and homeless on the same day. Well (laughs) they're big things, as I say. So you, you'd obviously you'd built up to this because you've been living together and you get to know each other, and obviously you've been having conversations. But before that, haven't this happened once before? So that
1: was the first time that we did that, but, um, subsequent that after, after, you know, obviously our parents were not best pleased, let's put it that way. Um, and we both ended up working on minimum wage jobs in a call center. And we actually only found a new apartment to move into the day before our lease ended. So it was right down to the wire, but we both really had this strong belief that it was going to be okay, regardless of you know, what other people were saying. And ultimately um, my husband worked his way up to become the the youngest ever press officer in a FTSE 100 index company, specific company. Um, and I got a senior role as a communications manager in the NHS. So it did work out, but then um, I did it again. and I did it again. I was on holiday to Amsterdam and I was in Amsterdam airport. And I picked up a book called The Happiness Project, uh, which I read on the plane coming home, which was all about increasing the happiness level in your day-to-day life. And within two weeks, I walked into my boss's office and gave up another senior role to make myself unemployed again.
0: Well, where does this deep knowing come from? It's okay saying I've read a book about the happiness project. And that's beautiful. But what on earth was it that resonated at such a deep level again, that you were compelled to just literally do that because the reading of something and then the action quite different to a lot of people. What was it? I think it's just this feeling that
1: I'm always building my own safety net. As I go, I just have this deep trust that things will be okay and I like to think of life as chapters, like for a lot of people, stability is really important and they like to live in the same house for decades and work the same jobs um, because they're very married to having a pension and a health plan and things like that, which I understand are really important for a lot of people. But I kind of want to get to the end of my life with no regrets that I didn't take any chances and also trying different things and learning things about myself in the process. And that feeling that it will always work out, it it does follow me wherever I go. I'm really lucky that that's been the case so far, but I also think it's less about luck and more about truly leaning into experiences. I think that that, that's what helps me.
0: Oh gosh. I so relate to it because it's, it's. I remember as a child, my mum was a librarian. So I, I used to be down in the library the, you know, looking through the books as she was waiting to finish after school and all sorts of things. So I was brought up with surrounded by books. And I remember very clearly thinking I'm going to be every chapter of my life became a chapter of that book. And every page that I turned was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And I don't even think I've even said this out loud before. Um, you've just literally reminded me of, of that time when I was literally used to sit there during story times and be enthralled by all the characters. And, and it is really important that we, we are in charge and and know that we're capable of actually having that exciting new venture. Um, but it does take courage. It does take uh, faith and it does take trust where did all that come from
1: i think it um well what i would say is I, n- I don't believe in anything being a complete disaster or you know something to hold on to shame or stigma about i think if relationships don't work out or jobs don't work out for me it's a graduation i take away the learning Um that doesn't mean to say i don't feel hurt sometimes or have negative emotions but i also feel like it's part of a bigger picture so i can conceptualize it like that and i'm not really a person who looks back too much with regret because i try to always make sure that i made the choice that intuitively felt right for me in that moment and i have to kind of honor the past versions of me and um not kind of look back with hindsight or, or self-criticism but i do feel that Relationships are the most important thing for me. I have a really strong marriage with my husband. I have um, friends that I've been friends with since childhood that I've invested a lot into those relationships. And my dad really is a big source of um, comfort and stability for me in the sense that he's quite a, a stoic person. Whenever something doesn't work out, he's always from my childhood said to me, it's going to be okay. So I've got people around me who they, off, they they do offer challenge. My dad, as I said, when I quit my first corporate job, he was like, what on earth are you playing at? But then once we'd had that conversation, he was like, it's going to be okay, Michelle. Yeah. And I have people who give me healthy challenge, but also support and trust that I'm going to be okay on a, a long enough timeline.
0: Yeah, and and I think that is really really important because there's a lot of people out there who do not have those people around them to be able to do these things. So I think when we take these leaps of faith, if you are all on your own, it's um it's a it's a much more difficult journey, much more challenging journey. That doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Uh, It just means that there are more challenges along the way. So, what advice would you give? to someone just starting out on their working career, whether they are just starting off or whether they are um, changing, because you did many times. (laughs) I think
1: focus more on skills than occupations and certainly skills that are transferable because I always say like, I did the whole thing at primary school and high school where they sit me down and trying to diagnose what your future career is going to be and and you know stick a label on you at that point I don't necessarily think that's helpful I think it should be more about skill sets and competencies and passions and purpose and things like that so I think don't get wedded to a particular job title or career that's what I do now it didn't even exist when I was at high school I could never have had a conversation like this over this kind of technology. And I certainly couldn't have taught storytelling skills over Zoom because that wasn't even invented or created at that point. So I think very much focusing on skills, competencies and passion and purpose for me is the most important thing rather than a specific job title. Fantastic. Love that
0: advice. And what other advice, like, I'm just enthralled by the fact that you've, you've done this twice. Um, and, and then you went on to read, you know, to, to do this book with 365 female entrepreneurs over, you know, a person a day over 12 months. How, how did that come about?
1: (laughs) So I, um, I like to keep a scrapbook and when I'm looking at magazines or books or any form of storytelling, really. I'll very often cut out pictures that speak to me or um, sets of words that, that taught me on an intuitive level. And over time, when I was looking back in my scrapbook, I saw this golden thread all the way through, which was about female entrepreneurs, women in business, women succeeding, women who faced adversity and it. And I remember clear as day, I was at my friend, uh, Helen Pritchard's house with my husband, Christian. And I said to them, I've got this, this calling to create this blog and, and tell one story um, a week. And my friend Helen was like, why would you do this one a week? Why not do one a day? Push yourself. And I was like, (laughs) And I'll have a little think about that. And then when I woke up in the morning, Helen being Helen had had the website built overnight and it was all set up and ready to go. And she was like, I'll be day one. You can tell, you know, tell my story on day one and we'll, we'll just take it from there. So I was like, why not? You know, the, all these messages have been coming through a reason, let's go for it. And me and Christian had to have total faith that once we started on that project, that we would be able to see it through all the way to the end, because we didn't even know 365 female <laughs> business owners. We didn't know how we would run a business and take on this project at the same time or how that might impact on our in- income or our health and well-being. But we were both committed to it from day one and whether it was Christmas day, our birthday, even on holiday, we made it happen and saw it all the way through to the end. What was that experience like for you? It was the best learning experience I've ever had because I felt like it was almost daily coaching Mm. because every single woman had a different experience to share or a different piece of advice. And I felt like I was growing from a personal development um, perspective, but equally giving all these women who truly believe they didn't have anything worthy to say, or they didn't have a story to tell. I wanted them to have a platform that was completely equal because there was no money involved. So it, you know, it wasn't like only wealthy people could take part. It was people on any income, no matter how they live in on business. And we really made uh, a conscious effort to make it diverse and inclusive as well. And it was just it's so enriching. I'm just, to this day, there's women that I spoke to as part of that project that I know count as personal friends. So I'm just really grateful that we had that call in and completed
0: it. Oh, I think it's a tremendous accomplishment to do that. Absolutely tremendous. And I of relate to that from starting up this podcast, you know, it's as I'm meeting everybody and having a chat, it really is a, it's a mutual benefit of learning from, for, for both of us, you know, we're, we're sort of helping each other, it's helping me communicate in, in a little bit more of a, well, being visible for one is a huge thing for me. So this is a huge thing for me to be visible and out there, but I'm purely doing it because it's so important for me to get out this message of these weird, the weird world of knowing and make it as normal as possible and integrate as many people on this journey as possible so that we've all got these really beautiful stories, like you say, and it's important that the herd. You know, long gone are the times really where we could sit by the fire and share the stories out loud and y- your voice, our voices are meant to be heard and we've been stifled. And I think especially women have been stifled for so long. We've forgotten the skills of how to, how to do it. So it's a really beautiful thing that, that you are you were doing and and I'm beginning to feel exactly the same about what I'm doing, which is wonderful. So absolute joy to everyone and um, so tell us a little bit more about any more weird moments of knowings that you've had in more recent gosh um there's so many because i do feel i just want to say i
1: i really have to compliment you, rachel on creating this podcast opportunity because to give people this platform to talk is really special and i'm really interested to see what conversations come out of that so i just want to say that i'm really proud of you for doing it oh thank, thank you and <laughs> um, in terms of experiences, it's, it just feels like a a constant thread that follows me around. Like it was really, really important to me and my husband that, um, we've always rented, always we've rented throughout our entire relationship. And last time we were looking for a property to live in, I remember very distinctly sitting down and saying, I want it to have, um, a loft conversion. I want it to have a garage. I want it to have green front doors, have period features. And we're going to adopt a ginger cat from Cats Protection, and that's going to be our house pet. And lo and behold, where we live now, it's got a loft conversion, a garage, a green front door. And the, the day we went to Cats Protection, the first pen we went to, our cat Raymond was sat there waiting to be adopted. So it was like we had manifested that opportunity into our life, um, which I'm really, really grateful for. I would say more recently, the day that we went into the first national lockdown, our, our public relations business, we lost 85% of our clients overnight, which was a massive hit because myself and Christian involved work in the business. So we've got no other form of income. Um, and we pretty much were decimated from day one and we didn't qualify for any government support. So we were very much in a position where, you know, we have to rebuild our way out of that. Um, yes, it was scary. Yes, it was frightening, but I did know it would be okay. And, and overnight we changed our offering and we started doing training online. And now we feel much more aligned with our values and where we want the business to be. So it was the worst possible thing that, you know, that could ever have happened. But in, in many ways we're better for it on a professional sense. So. Again, that kind of knowing that it will be okay is very much coming to play.
0: Need to go back to the house, first of all. <laughs> okay. Because they were very specific uh, requests. Um, you were very sure that you were going to get it and lo and behold, Raymond and the green door and everything else fit into place. What did you do to manifest that? For the for the people who are listening, are there certain things that you do? It's okay knowing it in your head, but are there, are there any other ways forward that you go about to plan it, you, was there another scrapbook involved or what actually happened for you on that process?
1: Well, I don't believe in like magical manifesting. I don't think you can just like think of something and and it happened the next day. I do think there's some level of work involved in it as well. So it was very much holding on to that vision. And, and playing it through in my head, imagining what it would be like to walk into this house and what it would be like to own this cat and the love that I wanted to give it and the, the, the joy of living in a period property. I I thought about it and thought about it until it felt very, very real and achievable. And then in the house search, it was almost like I had my blinkers on that. This is, this is out there. I just have to find it. So I didn't kind of, um, look at anything and anything. I I knew that this property was out there and it was just a case of me finding it. And it turned out to be about five streets away from where I already lived. (laughs) It was literally around the corner on a street that I'd never even walked down though. It was like an area of the village that I hadn't been to. And and I remember my husband, Christian was feeling a bit poorly that day when we were supposed to go and have the viewing, And I was like, I'm really sorry, but this is the one we're going to have to go. So he came with me full of a cold. We looked around the property and signed for it there and then, and then within a week we went to Cats Protection and Raymond was sat there waiting for us in the pen. So that completed the picture.
0: Absolutely gorgeous. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And again, you know, what about Raymond? What was the plan there? Obviously you wanted the ginger cat. Was that very much part of the visioning and, and yeah. how that feel? Yeah, we
1: just, um, I've, I've been an animal lover since I was a child. Christians come, come to it later on in life, but for me, a house has to have a pet to feel like a home and we'd been living in all these rental properties where the landlord was very much against having a pet. And I felt this real sense of a gap in my life. So again, when I was thinking of this property to move to a big part of it was, I need the landlord to be on board with this. Mm. And, and luckily the landlord of this property was, and, and Raymond was able to move in with us. but I just, it was something that I didn't want to let go of. It was something that I wasn't prepared to compromise on because I do believe that rescue cats need a second opportunity. And for me and my mental health as well, I feel like having a pet is very calming. So I was just focused on making that happen. How do you help people? How do I help people? I help people to tell stories for free. Actually, we do like a free four day challenge where um, business owners in particular, we teach them storytelling skills. So um if people follow us on social media, on Facebook, particularly Right on Time UK, then you can find out about ne- our next free storytelling challenge. Fantastic.
0: Because so I'm sure people are going to want to get in touch with all the things that you've manifested in the most beautiful of ways. I'm sure <laughs> they're going to want to be able to tell their own stories of of their manifestations, or learn how to do it from you. <laughs> and before we go, can I ask who would you like to see on here with the weird world of knowing, uh, with and why? What stories? Um, do you mean someone I actually know? It's up to you. <laughs> well, I think my friend
1: Helen Pritchard would be really good because. She is a huge advocate for manifesting and she has just moved into a 1.2 million pound house that I know that she feels she manifested into her life because it was actually where her dad was born. It used to be a maternity hospital um, and now she's actually bought the property. So she's living in the house where her dad was
0: born. Oh, wow. How special is that? Well, we shall put Helen definitely on the list. She sounds very, very interesting. I do know of Helen, so I'm going to look forward to that and hope that she'll come on. So that's good. I'm sure she would. Oh, we do that's great. Oh, Michelle, you've been an absolutely delightful guest. And I just love your journey and your oh, yeah. strength and resilience and, um, just how it's all just sort of flowing forward, you. And um, we look forward to knowing what's going to come next. Do you know what your what you what your plans are next, or are you just happy in the moment at the moment?
1: Well, yes, I've done another another big thing. I handed um. Well, I say I me and Christian handed in notice on the house that we're living in now, just before Christmas. So we are actively going to be looking for a new property in the next couple of months. So I need to get my manifesting hat on. And figure out, tell us what, what you, what you want. that's what I'm working on at the moment. Oh, right. You're not quite. I'm piecing together what that vision looks like. Um, I'm downsizing at the moment, doing a lot of decluttering and minimizing because we want to move into a smaller home. So I'm looking for a a cute tiny house. I think this
0: time round. Fantastic. (laughs) We love the variety (laughs) of everything that you're doing as well. It's an absolute joy. Michelle, thank you very much indeed. Let us know how you get on and uh, okay. pop that in for a little catch-up as well. Thank, Thank you, you Michelle's details will be down below in for the podcast and YouTube channel. So if you've missed it during the interview, then uh, just have a check-up there. And we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening on The Weird World of Knowing. I do hope you enjoyed your time with us. I'm Rachel Nearing, your host. And gosh, I'm having a ball putting all of this together for you, so I hope you are too. And if you are, please do like, subscribe and share with those who might actually benefit from these weird moments of knowing as they realise how many of their own they've been having all their life. Take care and we'll see you next week.